Good evening. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, and you are listening to Wellness Lehigh Valley. I am Sally Hanlon, your host this evening. Wellness is important to a balanced lifestyle, and more and more, we as humanity are figuring out how certain elements can lead to positive results. From mental health to the environment, including all things that can affect your wellness, I am happy to invite you into our conversation on ways to improve or think differently about wellness in the Lehigh Valley. And listeners, as I always try to do, is give a little background before I introduce you to my program guest. The topic that I've chosen to focus on tonight is building stronger communities through conversations. According to Frank Feather, who's a futurist, in the 1990s, he predicted that the more we work globally and the more we work on the Internet of Things, the more important local interactions become, and he used the phrase glocal. This led to my understanding of having a third space in the community. A third place is a term coined by sociologist Ray Oldenburg and refers to places where people spend time between home, which is the first place, and work, which is the second place. They are locations where we exchange ideas, have a good time, and build relationships. It's a safe place in the community for civil and verbal exchanges. And with the pandemic, we have all become a bit hesitant, a bit isolated, and often respond with a knee-jerk without thinking about our responses. Community wellness is often defined as health, meaning physical and mental, and safety, police, fire, maybe recreational activities. However, in these more extreme polarized times, tonight we're adding that safety and sharing opinions and learning from each other public discourse is important to a community as well. As we head into an election and holiday gatherings, conversations can become awkward and charged between family and friends. And unfortunately, we see in other communities how disagreements have led to deadly results. The Lehigh Valley is a very special place. We have 11 institutions of higher learning. We have 62 distinct municipalities. We have a diverse background, people and business. We have rebounded from Billy Joel's Allentown recessions and have become stronger. Harrisburg and locally, we tend to work together to reach a common goal. And tonight, with my guest, I would like to offer for your consideration ways that you can encourage and respond to those who may not think like you. In essence, this is a win-win for all of us. And with that, I would like to introduce my guest this evening. My guest is Elizabeth Ortez. And Elizabeth, I'm going to call her Liz, um, is not a stranger to the Lehigh Valley in many respects. She's been an educator and currently is a media educator and communication consultant. Welcome, Liz. Thank you, Sally. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so grateful to have this conversation on, as you termed, public discourse. And what a great place to do it here on WDIY. Yes, I I think, you know, we have um, Lehigh Valley Discourse, which is we always bring ideas and thoughts, different things. And I think now, as I said, you know, this is such a critical time, a critical time for all of us with what's going on in the 
in the air, um, in the environment. Um, but before I ask you some questions, let me give the listeners a little bit more background on you. Liz served on the faculty at Cedar Crest College in Media and Communications for almost two decades. Um, she has her master's degree in Media Studies and Education and is currently working on her doctorates at Lehigh University. She is involved in the community, and she has a very active young family, and she and her husband also own Cactus Blue. (laughs) So she's a very busy lady. So Liz, thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Now we're going to tap into your background as your experience as a communication professor. How would you describe the communication skills and knowledge of our students today, aside from college and the impact of digital technology, where does a young person, our future leadership, learn? Where does this come from? Yeah, it's it's such a good question. And it's actually one of the first questions that I get when I talk about communication. What are our students learning? What do they know? What skills do they have? What are they going to bring to the future workplace or uh, just our community in general? And I think it's important to note that, of course, students are not a monolith. Right, so students are coming to us from all different spaces and places, and and with skill sets that vary pretty drastically. Uh, I believe that when people ask this question, they're specifically thinking about what are the interpersonal skills mm-hmm. that students have, and so most people uh, would kind of like to hold technology at fault. I think for. Uh, a lack of these skills. But I think it's it's more than that. It's more than just the technology. Our society has changed a lot, not just in these past two and a half years, but over the past few decades. And we don't spend as much time with other people as we used to. No, we're very isolated. Yeah. Our, our workspace, if we're working from home, because we did that before the pandemic, it just was greater after the pandemic or during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, even about families, how at one point many generations lived in a home together. Mm-hmm. And while that's still the case for some of our community members, for most, we're far removed Uh, from family. And so it's not just that we can call upstairs or call downstairs to to get a grandparent or to get a child, but we really have sometimes gaps across the country. And so we we don't have that same kind of community, that same connection that we do. Um, And I I think that makes a difference to the way that we learn to communicate uh, and the way that we connect to one another. Well, and as as we were talking before the show, um, a lot of the sort of areas that uh, maybe a high school or a junior high school student could possibly gain some skills are maybe considered extracurricular if they're added at all to the school's offerings for the student. Yeah, and I think as a media education person, <laughs> for lack of a better word, for a media educator, yes. <laughs> uh, I think about this a lot. And so how is it that we equip our students, our learners to use media in their lives in more profound ways? So a lot of times our kids are consumers of media, but what we really want is for them to become creators because that's where they learn those skills then. Mm-hmm. That's where they learn to put together a radio program or to put together um, a post for online or they put together a, a show that they're creating. Um, students should ha- should have more communication and more media education in schools and at home. I think 
many of us, as you mentioned, had communication classes or speech classes or debate classes that were a part of our normal curriculum. But now I think so many of those are in the extracurricular spaces. Mm -hmm. So first, our students have to have access to those. Um, and if they don't, where does that happen? Right. So uh, we need more media education and communication education in schools, in K-12, and additionally at the college level then. Wow, that's that's sort of a big order with everything that's going on and everything that's you know so important. But you know, when you think about it, you know what is the, what is the quality of a good leader? It's being able to communicate. It's be able to share and understand and listen. Yeah, I and think that listen piece, Sally, is is one that we overlook a lot. And you know, I talk about how we don't maybe learn how to uh, speak in the, in school, or we don't learn how to present, or we don't learn how to debate, but we definitely don't learn how to listen. And I think a lot of us <laughs> could really use some lessons on on listening, myself included. We are so concerned with how we're going to respond. Absolutely, we're, we're forming our. Yeah. A response as we talk. <laughs> yeah, we're already forming our answer. Even today, as we have this conversation, making sure that, you know, I stay in this moment and I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm responding to not just what I think you're going to say, mm -hmm. but to what you're actually saying. And that requires uh, a skill set that, that takes uh, some time, some right. time to gain. Right. And, and I, I don't know about you, Liz, but during the pandemic, because I wasn't having those frequent conversations with people, I sometimes feel like my brain is a little bit behind. You know, when people will say things or ask things, I, okay, I got 30 seconds here. What's the answer? <laughs> you know? I, I don't think you're alone there, right? We're used to having a little bit of space to respond. And I think that for my students in particular, when I think back to the beginning of the pandemic, they were kind of the most equipped to move into that online space mm -hmm. because they had spent the time there. They understood, you know, how things work. They understood um, those connections on social media or through text messaging or, or different uh, ways of connecting. They were there and they were really the experts. And we, <laughs> we had to learn from them, right? We had spent this time kind of critiquing the amount of time they spent in these mediated spaces. And here we were saying... Uh, help yeah. <laughs> because now everything I'm doing has been moved from a physical space together with people to a digital space or a virtual space and how do I make the best use of of these connections and this technology well and I think I think I mentioned to you in a conversation that we had uh, I was doing some research on listening and people and attention span and all that kind of stuff. And I remember back in the early 2000s, it was said that the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds and that of a human is 8.5. Well, the updated version is the goldfish hasn't changed at all. There's still nine seconds. We're down to eight. <laughs> so, and I'm sure that part of it has been the digital technology and, and how we interact uh, with it has lessened our ability to pay attention. I think paying attention is challenging. There's a lot going on in the world around us. Oh, yeah. There's external, but there's also internal as well, right? We have a lot on our plate. We have a lot on our mind, both in our personal lives and professional, political, which I know we'll talk about mm -hmm. in a little bit. Um, we have a lot going on. So it is oftentimes challenging to pay attention. And we really have to focus. We have to make a conscious choice to pay attention. It doesn't just happen automatically. Right. And pay attention, I would equate to active listening. 
And how do you define that, Liz? How do you, how do you help people understand what that is? So active listening, if I could teach maybe one skill set right, to everyone, <laughs> in particular at this time as we near the election, oh, yes. that, would, that would maybe be it. That would be the skill <laughs> that, that I would want to teach and kindness. But let's start with listening. So with listening and active listening, it really is hearing what the person is saying. And right. so in order to do that, we just have to be present and we have to be in that moment. We want to hear what they're saying. And oftentimes I'll encourage people to repeat back to the person. So what I hear you saying is mm-hmm. that gives a person an opportunity to correct, to change course potentially. It gives all of us a space to make sure that before we get into this argument or this discussion, that we actually know what the other person is saying. A lot of times we go into these conflicts and we want to win, right? We go in wanting to win. And so we're ready with all of our data and all of our stats and all of our viewpoints. And we go in and we just kind of yell our views at each other and expect something to change. (laughs) And who can be louder, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and who can be be louder. Um, And uh, that doesn't work. We don't see opinions changing. We don't see people being swayed. We don't see people becoming more compassionate just because someone else is is louder. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a very challenging time. In addition to the fact that we're going into elections, as I mentioned, you know, we're going into the holiday season where families get together, and you hear so often about polarized situations. So, um, listeners, we're going to take a short break now, but we're going to come back and discuss some of the values that are very important when you're having conversations and discourse and the things that you can do to make sure that you're getting the best out of your um, conversations. So we're going to take a break. Uh, We're listening to Wellness Lehigh Valley with Elizabeth Ortiz, and we are talking about stronger communities through conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Celtic Fair, a celebration of Celtic music and culture from its roots in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Galatia, and Brittany, to its branches in Australia, Cape Breton, Canada, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and the Lehigh Valley. Bringing you music, interviews, and a weekly culture calendar every Thursday from 7 to 9 on WDIY Allentown listener-supported community public radio. Welcome back to our Wellness Lehigh Valley Discourse Program. We are talking about the importance of communication within our community with our guest this evening, Elizabeth Ortiz. And we were talking before the break about one of the most important conversation (laughs) skills, which is listening. And now we're going to talk about how do you have a good discussion? You know, how, how do you interact with somebody, especially if that person is in an area that conflicts with your area. And I think, Liz, you can help us out here in understanding the value of the conversation so that we have them. I think it's really important. So we talked about listening. And so we're assuming you're already listening, right? But at this point, (laughs) we need to figure out, you know, is this a space where we want to engage or avoid? 
And so for a lot of us, um, we want to build relationships. We want to grow closer to other people. So we're going to engage, right? And that's, I think, at the crux of this is how is it that we form relationships, make these connections, and hopefully come to an understanding with other people. And so there's different types of conflict, of course, but while most of us want to avoid, I think conflict can actually be really productive. Okay. It allows us to examine important ideas and concepts. It allows us to come up with creative ways to tackle problems. And it allows us to reflect on, reassess, or even strengthen our own views. So I think the conflict that most of us think of when we hear that term is destructive conflict, right, where uh, we're thinking about force or aggression. And so it's no wonder that our immediate reaction is to stay away. But there is value in conflict. And when I think about conflict resolution, for example, in the classroom, our aim is to resolve conflict. How do you resolve that? And how can we have a resolution where we both come out ahead. I think, Sally, you referred to it earlier, perhaps as a Mm win-win. And so we desire this win-win relationship when the other person matters to us, right? We don't go into these heavy conversations necessarily if we don't care about the other person. Well, and and I think the other thing that happens too in these conflicts is we may not be as solid in our positioning as, you know, maybe we think we should be to have a discussion that does raise, you know, conflicting issues, you know, because we all have, we all sort of surf uh, information, whether it's the internet or the newspaper or whatever. So you have to feel sort of grounded in your own feelings, correct? You really do. And I think that this type of conflict can help us become better communicators. If we have to explain to other people why we feel the way that we do, and not just to a silo of other folks that feel the same exact way, right, like (laughs) most of us have in a lot of our spaces. But if we have to explain to someone who has really conflicting views why we feel the way we do, why we believe what we do, we become stronger. We become more steadfast, I think, in our beliefs. And, And that is is a benefit, I think, for both parties. For me, when I'm talking with other people in situations that might lead to conflict, I always want to know more about why they feel the way that they do. I want to know their experiences. I want to know their sources. I want to understand them. And I think if we can go into conflicts trying to understand the other person so that we may better understand our own views, uh, we can gain a lot. Yeah. And that's where the act of listening comes into play because you're asking those questions to really sort of fine tune your understanding of what the individual is saying. I think so, too. And, you know, we talk about win-win relationships and we think about collaboration and we think about compromise. I do want to say, though, I think it is easier to agree to disagree when your livelihood isn't threatened or your existence isn't questioned, um, when your rights, you know, aren't being legislated. So there are times where as much as we want to come to a win-win situation, if we feel very deeply about something or if something is a core part of who we are, there might be times where we need to step away from the conversation and it doesn't become perhaps a win-win. But for us, we're allowed to preserve our feelings and you know how we see the world and how we operate within that world. And I think that's important too. Well, and I think agreeing to disagree is sort of like the old transcendental meditation saying, uh, I'm okay, you're okay. 
And so, you know, if I'm okay with my thoughts and this is what I believe and you're okay with your thoughts, that's fine. Thank you for explaining them to me type of situation. Yeah, and I I think that can be perhaps at times the ideal, especially when you want to preserve that relationship. Mm -hmm. If it's a relationship that perhaps... Uh, we're not looking to preserve, or if it's a relationship with someone who we have such stark differences, we may end up just, you know, pouring our our hearts and our thoughts out on the table. And um, maybe that's the end of that interaction or the end of that relationship. And sometimes that's okay, too. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, as as we look at and, and your role as a media educator, I mean, you've had a lot of uh, exposure to, and especially with students, the impact of our media today on our thought process, especially social media. How do we learn to sort of tone that down a bit in our lives so that we're not on the edge all the time with everything that's coming through? Yeah. So that's such an important question. And so communicating via technology, I think for a lot of people, opens up a world of experiences, a world of support that they might not have in their real life. So it becomes this community, uh, maybe a third space, like you were talking about earlier, where we can connect with other people who we may not have in our immediate vicinity. We may not have in the spaces that directly surround us. And so social media can be a really fabulous spot to gain connection and gain community. Uh, But it can also be a spot where people are very reactionary Mm -hmm. and people will post oftentimes without thinking. People will get into conflict. Uh, There's name calling. I mean, all of the negative things that we equate with social media. And I do think that sometimes people forget that when they transition back into their real world, that we're talking with other people and we're, we're seeing people face to face and this is not behind a computer screen. Right. So it comes back to, you know, how do we connect with each other? How do we relate to each other as humans and, and as a community? And that shouldn't be so hard, but we've definitely seen that it's been challenging. Yeah, and and we've sort of lost our edge in talking to people. I, you know, I don't know many people anymore that really understand and can debate things in person rather than just sort of slam them on the internet, you know, type of thing. It really, it's a skill. It's just like any other physical skill. You have to develop it. Debate is definitely something that is developed. And for most of us, I don't think we ever learned the formal (laughs) rules of debate, nor would the formal rules of debate necessarily (laughs) apply, um, you know, in a social media setting or in real life. But what I hope that we can do is go into situations assuming that the other person is coming to that space wanting to have a conversation. Okay. And I think that's the ideal. And sometimes we might even talk to someone. And, you know, before we get into something, we might say, are you willing to have a conversation about this? Can we talk about this? Or is this just going to be us yelling about this? Or just your platform. Yeah. You're speaking, you know, on your soapbox. Yeah. 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 Are you willing to listen? Right. And if someone's willing to listen, I think that's a big hurdle, but an important one. And so... I'm thinking, you know, you're talking about sitting around the table at a family meal or or talking about the holidays that are upon us and those coming up. And, you know, I think if we can be in a space where we'll listen to each other, that's critical. Um, I don't think everyone is always ready to listen, though, unfortunately. 
Well, and, and just because you're listening doesn't mean that you have to react right away either, correct? <laughs> That's right. We can be silent mm-hmm. sometimes. We can take a moment and let what the person has said sit with us. I think our instinct is to immediately respond. Yeah, it's that knee-jerk thing. It is a knee-jerk reaction. We don't need to immediately respond. We might sit with it. We might rephrase what they said or phrase it back to them. And we might say, let me think on that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I think that's seen as a negative when someone is silent. I think it's it's hugely positive, and I would actually often encourage my students to be comfortable sitting in that silence for a few minutes. It gives us time to think. It does, and you can say, oh, did, "Is this is what I heard? I think, you know, is is this really what I heard?" And as you said, go back and question. Yeah, yeah, this is what I heard you saying. Was that accurate? Do you think that I've captured what you've said? That shows the person that you did in fact hear them, and and gives them a chance, as we mentioned, to kind of. Uh, correct or to add to what it was that they that they wanted us to know. The other thing that I think helps uh, if you're thinking that you want to just take a, a step back from the conversation is to take a deep breath. I have learned uh, through my uh, wellness training that often if you're confronted with something that you're not really sure of, just take a deep breath. It calms and relaxes you. It lets air into your head, oxygen into your brain, so that you can think and react responsibly. I have learned that actually from my own daughters. In a lot of their classes at school, uh, especially with the youngest, they have had these moments, and whether they call them mindful moments or or some other really, you know, fantastic name, uh, they'll just sit and they'll take some deep breaths in the middle of class. And the teachers are seeing that it gives the students a chance to reset, gives right. them a chance to just kind of be in that moment. And so I've started doing that more since my girls were doing that at school, taking a moment, just taking a deep breath or more than one sometimes because <laughs> some topics need more than one deep breath. Um, and and just being there in that moment and letting yourself refresh and kind of yeah, and, just and get your thoughts gathered. And gather. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I I think, you know, in this turbulent time, and I've talked to other folks, you know, the turbulent times we're seeing now are not so much different than turbulent times in the history. You know, I'm reading a book back in the 1700s, and, you know, you're seeing what's going on there. The challenge today is through media, we're blasted a lot continually, whereas before it might have been coming in on Pony Express or it might have been coming in through the newspaper a couple days later that you hear about these things. Again, um, in research, I was looking at how often we are hit by information bits today and what they said, impacts of social media, advantages and disadvantages. It was saying that we see between 4,000 and 10,000 ads in a single day. As you said, we're constantly getting information in, and sometimes it's really hard to figure out how to react and what to react to. And It's really challenging. We can't process that much information. So our brain goes into this automaticity where it you know, allows us to uh, see things that are kind of new or different. But with those 10,000 messages, so much of what we're seeing now is misinformation or deliberate disinformation. Mm-hmm. And that becomes really challenging. So if we are not media literate, if we don't understand how it is that we can discern what is real and what is fabricated and and what is something in the middle, you know, we might be likely to repeat what we hear. 
or to hit forward or to hit send before we really interrogate that source. Correct. And the more something is repeated, the more it seems to take on a life of its own, and it must be real. And we've (laughs) got to figure out, is there a way to stop that, Liz? Is there a way to slow that engine down? So, of course, my my media literacy educator (laughs) uh, answer is, yeah, we, we really have to teach children and adults alike how to recognize what information is valid, how to think about the sources that they're using, how to check the information that they receive, and how to have them take that deep breath before they share it. Well, and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we are so fortunate, as I said in the beginning of this, to have such a wonderful environment here in the Lehigh Valley. And it really hurts at times to see some of the, the head-to-head things that are going on and the arguments that are happening when really what we're all after is the best for all of us, the best for the valley, the best for our families, the best for our businesses, et cetera. And we can do that if we communicate effectively and listen, Correct. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We want, and I think, Sally, you said this to me early on in our conversations, we want conversations that allow curiosity. Absolutely. We want people to understand us, and we want to be seen. And so if we can see the humanity in each other before we dive into these conversations, I think that sets us up in a better space. We are really lucky uh, to live in the Valley. We have so much going on, and we... um, We have to take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. We have to engage in these conversations. And I hope that we have the chance to do that even more. Yeah, I hope so too. Listeners, thank you so much for being a part of this show this evening and making time for the conversation. You can also find past episodes and other public affairs programs and listen to these to engage and get creative juices going at WDIY on major podcast platforms as well. And I want to leave you with one thought. First, I want to say thank you, Liz. Thank you for being here and offering this insight into communication at this very important time of this year of our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. And thank you for uh, WDIY for really allowing us to have this space for continual conversation in the community. Public discourse is so important. And public radio is uh, one of those spaces that has always had that at the core of who they are. So I appreciate their work. Yes. For 27 years. Yay. (laughs) This is Sally Hanlon, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. I want to leave you with this thought before I tune us out. Communication is a fine art, and we are in the finger paint stages. So as you think about reacting, just keep that in mind. Tune in next Thursday for more Lehigh Valley Discourse, and we'll see you next time on Wellness Lehigh Valley. 